This podcast is brought to you by the College of Nursing at Brigham Young University. For more information about its programs, faculty, students, or alumni events, please visit nursing.byu.edu. What happens when non-critical patients become critical patients? And what about in large hospital systems where transportation to the ER might not be feasible? Stick around to hear the answers. Hey everyone, I'm Eliza Joy. And I'm Ryan Larson. Together we will explore nursing careers and professional insights. With exclusive interviews for nurses working jobs that you want to know about. Transferring info from one nurse to another. This is the College Handoff. Today we'll hear from two BYU nursing alumni, Megan Durica and Ann Danzi. Megan currently works as an OR nurse in California, and she shares the benefits of working in a small surgery center. Ann is a rapid response nurse in a large hospital that utilizes specifically trained nurses to stabilize critical patients in unusual situations. Let's get started. All right. So today on our podcast, we have with us Megan Durica, who is a I'm an OR nurse and a BYU alum, so uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. (laughs) So I first want to ask you a little bit about um, why you got into nursing in the first place and whether you decided on nursing first or to come to BYU first. I initially um, decided to go to BYU. My Both my parents went to BYU. My older brother was at BYU. So it was kind of just family tradition. Um, and so I had kind of just always planned on going to BYU. Um, and so when I actually started at BYU, I was a studio art major. Oh, wow. So the main reason why I switched was um, I was home one Christmas break. And I grew up with kind of a lot of just different medical problems. So I was always in and out of doctor's offices, getting tests done, uh, things like that. And Mm -hmm. so I was home one Christmas break and I had gotten a test done and I was at the hospital. And when I was leaving, then I was in the car with my mom and I was just sitting there and I was like, oh, I could be a nurse. And it was so random and out of the blue that I kind of surprised myself. And my mom was like, yeah, you'd be a great nurse. And so I'm really grateful that that was the decision that I made and the path that I was led down. So, Yeah. So you said you're an OR nurse. What are kind of your responsibilities as an OR nurse? What does that entail? Mm -hmm. So... My position, it is a little, I'd say it's a little bit different from like an OR nurse in a hospital because I am actually in a surgery center. And so in the center, there's just one OR and then four beds. So we can only have, you know, a few patients in at a time. Um, And so what I do is I may, I'm mainly the circulating nurse in the OR. Um, and so my job is being patient advocate and making sure that we're being safe at all times. So 
I'm in charge of, you know, triple checking the patient in, making sure the surgeon anesthesiologist has talked to the patient, that the patient has been marked, that we're all on the same page. Um, I'm bringing the patient back. I'm doing the timeouts. I'm prepping the patient for surgery um, and, you know, monitoring throughout the surgery. I'm one of the people that's not sterile. I'm not scrubbing in on the surgery. So I'm usually the one that's grabbing things that we're running out of. Or if there's kind of a fluke in the equipment, then I go to make sure um, kind of reset it. And I'm the one that's anticipating the surgeon's needs kind of in the background. And so making sure that the OR is set up the correct way uh, and, you know, specific to each doctor's preference. And um, then I, I do the turnover after each surgery as well. I help with the turnover um, and then get the room ready for the next patient. And it's really, really fast paced, I would say, at the surgery center that I'm at. One of our surgeons, he can go pretty quick. And so just when I feel like I've kind of got a second to chart real quick, then he'll need something or he'll be done. And then I need to start wheeling the patient out. So it's just being on top of things as well. Um, and just making sure that the surgery goes smoothly and the patient's safe and that, you know, anesthesiologist and surgeon are ready for, for the surgery. Yeah, for sure. Um, what, so what's the name of the surgery center you're at and what are some of the procedures that you guys do? Yeah. So the surgery center I'm at is SAS surgery center. So it's an orthopedic surgery center. So a lot of what we do is knee and shoulder arthroscopies. So what's unique about an orthopedic surgery um, situation versus, you know, like any other type of surgery? Yeah. So most of the surgeries, since they're all um, like knee and shoulder arthroscopies, then they're, they're the closed surgeries usually. And mm. so it's not like we're making a big incision, opening up the patient, um, things like that. It's one of those ones where you visualize everything on the camera. They have one of the small cameras that goes inside. Mm. Um, and so that is something a little bit different just in terms of like the tools and supplies that you use. It's not, um, uh, it's not, I'm like, I don't want to say not as big of a deal as like heart surgery, you know, because mm -hmm. with surgery, you have to be cautious, of course, no matter what, but it's definitely not as like in, in depth or intense. They're a lot shorter and the recovery time is a lot quicker as well. The incisions are usually just like maybe an inch big. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's a lot easier on the patient as well. Um, so I know a lot of our students that we've talked to about working in the OR and, and why they want to be there. Um, a lot of it comes down to, 
you know, we get to listen to cool music while doing, um, while being in the OR and kind of what's the environment like when you're, when you're in there and is it chill? And if there is a playlist, are you ever in charge of it? Yes. So I love being back there because first off, the perks of being just in a surgery, a surgical unit, um, or in my case, like the surgery center, we work Monday through Friday. So never on the weekends, never holidays, things like that. Um, and some days are longer than others. It just depends on how many surgeries we have scheduled or sometimes if a surgeon is on vacation, then we won't have any surgeries booked for the day that they normally do surgeries. Um, and so that's kind of fun because the schedule's always a little bit different, um, which I feel like for me keeps things interesting. Um, but then actually being in the OR, we do get to listen to a lot of fun music. We have a speaker uh, just in the corner and I am in charge of the music. But wow. I, it's usually like the doctor preference. Some of them mm. have no preference, but one of the surgeons really loves oldies. So I'll always turn on like an oldies playlist um, when she's in. And sometimes the surgeons will get sick of one playlist and then uh. they'll just tell you to change it to something which <laughs> I feel like gives me too much power and I hate deciding well, what we should listen to I was gonna so. say I'm like you know what they say about power corrupting I mean you've gotta you've gotta <laughs> watch out for that I know so I usually just turn it on something that I feel like is not too far one way or another <laughs> than they can yeah. tell me but yeah it is a lot of fun it's really loud in the OR just with all of like the equipment we've got we have suction constantly running because um with the procedures we do you just have to have that constant irrigation and so water's flowing uh, suction's running we have oxygen all of anesthesia uh, the anesthesia equipment all the alarms going off just things like mm -hmm. that so it has taken a while to try to understand the surgeon or the scrub tech when they're asking for something because we have like the music and everything else going on at the same time that I kind of have to you know rewire my brain to understand what's going on but um in terms of you know just being able to I feel I feel safe in the OR and I like that there's multiple people and you have um like you have that, you have the surgeon and you have the anesthesiologist with you. Um, mm -hmm. You're monitoring things from, you know, outside what's, what's going on and if things are safe and if the patient's safe. And I just like knowing that there's lots of hands um, and lots of people there who are able to help. Yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna ask, what do you consider the most rewarding part of your job? Um, I would probably say a lot of it is making sure that I am keeping the patient safe and being an advocate for them. And, you know, it 
it's scary for patients. Surgery is scary in general. And then obviously being sedated and not knowing what's going on or not feeling like you can vocalize things for yourself, of course. And so I just love knowing that, you know, I can talk to the patients beforehand, put them at ease a little bit, just knowing that, you know, we are being safe, cautious. If they have any concerns, you know, we will bring it to the surgeon, the anesthesiologist. We won't proceed until, you know, they feel comfortable and that I'll be there to help advocate for them throughout the procedure. Yeah. Um, kind of expanding on that, what have you learned about the healer's art um, as you've worked at this surgery center? That's probably my favorite idea when it comes to nursing. It's just, you know, learning the healer's art, being there to serve my fellow brothers and sisters and make their, you know, like lighten their burden um, and their load. And so I think just, you know, being able to physically see how they're being healed, but then also, um, you know, even when I only see the patients briefly, um, because I'm mostly with them when they're asleep. <laughs> but when I see them and interact with them, then that's always something that I I try to go in with, you know, the best bedside manner, the best support, letting them know that I care about them as a as a person as a whole, not just, you know, a patient, a number trying to get in and out or things like that. And just knowing that, yeah, we can physically heal the body, um, but knowing that there's a lot of other things going on as well, too. And primarily, it has to do with concern, anxiety with what's going on, the pain that they're in and things like that. And so just knowing that I'm able to play even a small part in their journey towards healing. You know, in, in long term, I want to make sure that even though I don't get to see it, that my efforts, you know, was worth it and that they're able to have a, remember this experience or go on and go forward and, you know, remember hopefully that I made even a small impact in their lives. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that about BYU's curriculum that um, you're looking at the the big picture of the person and not just, mm-hmm. you know right in that moment. And so I love that idea. Um, those are all my questions, but if there's something that, um, you wanted to talk about, or I didn't ask you, we can pretend like I did and (laughs) put that in there. So is there something that you wanted to, to talk about as well? My main thing is just, you know, I want people to know that there's a lot of different options (laughs) for nurses. And so, um, like sometimes I feel bad not having graduated and started like started on a med surg unit in the hospital or something. I feel like sometimes there's the idea that, you know, you're not a real nurse if you don't go to the hospital or things like that. But just in terms of like my work-life balance 
and my mental and physical health, then I knew something that was a day shift and something that had a little bit more structure and stability would be good for me long term. And maybe this is um, silly, but while you were talking, I was thinking, wow, she doesn't have to work Christmas. And I mean, that's a I'm sure there's lots of nursing students who are like, yeah, I'm so excited to start in the ER or whatever. But, um, you know, working weekends and holidays is probably not the easiest thing in the world. Exactly. Um, Well, Megan, thank you so much for being on our show. We really appreciate that. Yes. Well, thank you for your time. And I enjoyed getting to talk to you guys. And hopefully, you know, if any anybody, any nursing students or any nurses want to talk to me, then feel free to reach out. Oh, yeah. Um, What's an email that they could um, reach out to um, if they if they do want to learn more about what you do? Of course. So my email is Megan at Dorica.com. So it's M-E-G-A-N at D as in dog, U-R-I-C-K-A dot com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Well, thank you so much. And I enjoy being on the show. So let's pause for a moment here to ask you, the listeners, what topic or guest you would like to have featured on our podcast. You can give us suggestions on our Instagram page at The College Handoff. Keep an open eye and you might see that suggestion on a future episode. Our next guest today is Ann Danzi. She works as a rapid response registered nurse for Baylor Scott and White in Texas. And she's going to talk to us a little bit about what she does. Ann, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We're super excited to have you. Well, Ann, um, I do want to just start off by asking right out of the gate, I mean, a rapid response registered nurse, how is that different than an, an ER nurse? I know we talk a lot about ER nursing, but how is that maybe similar and perhaps maybe a little bit different? Yeah. So my background is actually ER nursing. I started out um, working in the ER for a little over three years. Um, and then I moved into the rapid response role, which um, is um, critical care nursing. So it's kind of an extension of ICU and ER. So with this role, it's actually awesome because I don't have my quote unquote own patient load or my set, set amount of patients in the morning that I get. Um, I go throughout the hospital and I talk with nurses that are taking care of patients. And this would be on different units in the hospital. Um, I cover our entire hospital besides the ER and ICU. So I cover labor and delivery. I cover NICU. I cover... Um, all like the med surge floors, we cover the operating rooms, cath lab, um, GI lab, um, and we respond to patients that are decompensating. Um, but we also have moved into the role of trying to catch them before they decompensate. So we create relationship with the nurses on the floors and talk with them about their patients and what their concerns are. They call me if they have a concern with one of the physician's orders that kind of thing. And we have a really good relationship with the hospitalist as well. Gotcha. So you're kind of like the last line in the defense mechanisms at a hospital. Does that sound accurate? Where if things really, really go bad, then? Absolutely. Yes. If things go bad, definitely I am present in the room. Um, if any patient gets upgraded as far as the floor, maybe they're on a med surge floor and they um, some have 
cardiac arrhythmias or sink and pull episode and they get transferred up to a telemetry floor, I'm present in that transfer and helping facilitate that. Um, If a patient has um, a code on the floor or something like that, I will help transfer them to the intensive care unit. So I actually work directly with our intensivists at the hospital and I call them. I have their direct number and I call them and say, hey, we've got this patient. This is the situation. This is my concerns. And they'll say, yes, we'll transfer them. No, we won't. Um, and they'll talk with the hospitalist as well and do a doc-to-doc handoff. But um, I'm kind of I'm kind of their eyes and ears throughout the hospital. And during COVID, it was a big challenge because even now, and like most hospitals, um, we're at capacity. And so we have no ICU beds. And so it's very difficult to have to upgrade our patients from a med surge floor to an ICU level floor because there's not enough beds. Um, and so sometimes if there's not beds or we need to work on transferring a patient down, I'm present at the bedside of that patient on the med surge floor until we can get them to a higher level of care. So that becomes essentially my patient. Wow. So, I mean, was I've never heard of rapid response nursing before. Was the motivation for creating this type of program just out of need and the simple, we don't have ICU beds this time, so we have to put them somewhere. So we're going to create this team of rapid response nurses to kind of take care of things until we can get a bed clear. Is that why that came about or? Exactly. Luckily, luckily, the, uh, it's the hospital system dependent. Um, luckily, the hospital system that I work for created this rapid response role about a year prior to COVID. And so we did have, it was a little established before we had to get into the issue of capacity. But every hospital that I have worked at um, has had some sort of rapid response team. Every hospital is different. Sometimes it's just the ER charge nurse or ICU charge nurse that responds. Um, A lot of hospitals don't have a dedicated team. Some of the bigger level one hospitals that they have, have actually a respiratory therapist, usually a nurse practitioner, and maybe a registered nurse or a phlebotomist or something that will be on the team to any rapid response that's called. Um, So it's very hospital dependent. I got into this role because I love critical care. Um, I loved ER, but sometimes in the ER, it's few and far in between the critical patients that we get. And there's a lot of, you know, abdominal pains and sore throats and that that didn't excite me as much. And so Mm. in this, every single day I go to work, I have a patient who's becomes or is very sick. Um, And then I have to manage and have to critically think about what could be causing it. Um, But yeah, I really think it's beneficial to have a specific nurse that is assigned to the rapid response role. I do have to wonder, though, with that type of dynamic, you know, you kind of are coming in, maybe not as a physician, but at least as another authoritative figure that, you know, maybe you have to give some criticism about how the patient has been dealt with up to this point, or, you know, you have to kind of maybe fix some wrongdoings or things like that. Like, I wonder if if people, I don't want to say are resentful, but are maybe hesitant to call you just because they know that they're calling you. It's because something's not good and whether it's their fault or something else or just out of the ordinary experiences, things happen. I wonder if there's some kind of animosity maybe towards um, people like you and your team. Absolutely. You bring up a very valid point. Um, And it's, it's, I guess, when we first started the team, I came on to the team, this specific hospital's team, when they started this role, maybe six months after they started. Um, And there was definitely some animosity. There was a lot of um, power struggles but we created a culture that's a little bit more open and 
we're friends. I go hang out on the units. I don't have my own unit. I don't have my own um, friends or who I eat lunch with. So I go down to the units and find friends and make lunch, have lunch with them and hang out with them and help them with, you know, a, a code brown or something like that to create that um, kind of camaraderie between the staff is really how I kind of found to break into that role. Um, when I first started this role, I struggled. I absolutely struggled. I struggle making friends. I struggle kind of approaching people like that. I'm young. I'm, I'm not too far. I graduated not too long ago. And so I'm kind of a young nurse and we have nurses who have been on the unit for 20 years. And all of a sudden they have a young, young nurse who essentially knows nothing coming in and telling them how to manage their patient. And so that definitely is a struggle. Um, I think it's just, I think the way I found to do it is to create that camaraderie and to become friends and become someone that just another coworker that they can approach. Um, those classes at BYU, I didn't think the role-playing classes and the uh, lectures we had, I didn't think would come in handy, but wow, it definitely does in different roles of nursing that you have. Well, that's great. I think that's uh, definitely a really interesting, um, just definitely an interesting dynamic that, you know, I don't think nurses often think about. A lot of times they think people are in the hospital, they're either not stable and then the and they're in the ER or they're stable and they're somewhere else and, you mm -hmm. know, and everything else is, you know, there's no in between, but that's definitely a niche there. How did you find that? I mean, how did you get in contact or find out that there were other rapid response nurses out there and how'd you get this role? Yeah. So for me, it was pretty, it was somewhat simple. Um, I did not know the role existed either. When I went to apply, I was actually relocating and I was looking at several jobs. I, I worked ER for, like I said, a little over three years and I was not unhappy, but I would say burnt out about the role. And I just dreaded applying for another ER nursing job in a different state. And I went in and I was, you know, I looked at, I looked at several things. I looked at wound care. I looked at labor and delivery. I looked at ICU. Um, and I saw this role and I was like, wow, ER or uh, rapid response. I was like, that sounds really cool. And when I'd been in the ER at the hospital I was at prior, I had heard them call rapid responses over, you know, overhead. And I didn't know what those entailed, but I knew that it was probably something kind of exciting and that kind of fuels me. So that's kind of how I got into it. The role I went to, they actually just wanted ICU experience. That's what they considered critical care experience. Mm -hmm. But from the ER that I came from, and um, the volume we had, I came, I, I got my experience at a level one ER center. Um, we held several ICU patients for days um, and we saw a lot, a lot of sick patients. And so I convinced them to give me the job um, with my critical experience, figured it out and talked to a recruiter. So it's tricky to find a new job, but kind of fun in nursing. You can do a lot of different things. Do you, I mean, perhaps you don't know the answer to this question. That's totally okay. Do smaller hospitals or hospitals that maybe don't specialize in trauma as much often have rapid response teams? Or is that something that you think or you've seen or is just mainly in those larger hospital systems? You know, I think it's very common in larger hospital systems because of the ability to have those resources. Um, in college, when I was in nursing school, I worked as a tech, uh, an ER tech and kind of learned some skills there. And I worked at a very small hospital that had, let's see, the ER was six beds and they had 
a labor and delivery unit and a med surge unit, but the nurses who were on med surge also covered labor and delivery, very small hospital. Um, and they, their quote unquote rapid response team was the simple phone call to the ER saying, Hey, we need your help. So, um, they didn't have an ICU or anything. So I think smaller hospitals, I think they have some sort of, I think every hospital has some sort of program that can help the nurses get help, um, essentially. So people that need more critical help, critical help. So in the, in the OR, if they have a decompensating patient and they need more hands, there's always an ability. There's always in the hospital system. And my experience and my knowledge is that there's always some sort of system in place for those critical patients. Um, it just depends if it's labeled a rapid response team and if they have a dedicated nurse. Right. Yeah. And maybe perhaps in these smaller hospitals, it's not a formal role, but you know, someone yeah. from the ER is yeah. going to step up to help out in those other situations. That makes, yeah. Yeah. That, that makes yeah. perfect sense. The ER is often the, the department that's called for difficult IV sticks and all types of things. So I think in, in a lot of hospitals, maybe they don't have a rapid response nurse. That's the department they call if they need a, an extra set of hands. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, hospitals are huge animals. There's lots of different interconnected parts. And um, I mean, having a positive relationship with all the departments and all the different nurses of all our backgrounds will be really helpful um, when crap hits the fan, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm curious if you had to get any extra trainings or certifications in order to have this position. Obviously, some EOR experience just makes sense. But were there any credentials that you needed to have in addition to just that experience? Yeah. So I received, um, so I made sure that I was up to date. And of course my BLS, I, I got my ACLS and PAL certification. When I worked in the emergency room, I got my certified emergency nursing. So my CEN, um, and I also had my TNCC. So for trauma, which wasn't as applicable to the rapid response role, but did help with my patient assessment. That's, it's a constant learning process in nursing and there's constantly education to be done. And so it's exciting. I like, I always like learning and I like to get as much licensing and and certifications that I can. I think when I step into new roles or apply for new jobs, that definitely gives me a leg up against other candidates. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's dozens of extra certifications nurses can get. So uh, the world is your oyster, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I do want to pivot a little bit to your past. I know that, I mean, you're a recent graduate with, uh, from the BYU College of Nursing. You also spent yeah. some time as an EMT. You worked with BYU EMS. You had your basic and your advanced license. Did any of that kind of that pre-hospital stuff um, become helpful for this? I mean, you weren't really technically in the pre-hospital setting. I guess I should yeah. rephrase that. You're not currently in the pre-hospital setting, but yeah. <laughs> sometimes you're pre-emergency room, but you're already in the hospital. I mean, did that help out at all? Yeah, I think in general, I loved the fact that during nursing school, I worked as a tech um, and I worked with the EMS. When I started nursing school, it's a little bit much to do both. So I did only do BYU EMS for, I think, a year and a half, if I'm not mistaken, mainly my freshman year and into my sophomore year with that first semester of nursing. Um, But um, your patient assessment skills improved so much. Um, I think my patient assessment skills improved with my EMS. Um, certification, my EMT, um, because you get those patients and you have to assess them and figure out if they're sick or not sick. Um, so I loved that I did that. I loved that I was a tech. Um, 
I love that I worked as a tech in a smaller hospital and I would recommend that just because you, I, the nurses all knew I was in nursing school. So they'd always pull me in on cool things or the doctors would, or they'd mm-hmm. educate me because they knew that I was super interested in that. I definitely can see how that can be helpful. And I don't want to totally sidestep um, your role as a rapid response nurse, but um, I mean, you, you're mentioning a really good skill and that is that you've become a sponge and you have been able to soak up lots of information and you've sounds like from the way you're describing it uh nurses and physicians and other people working around you have just been itching to give information to you and i know some of our nursing students currently they struggle with that because you know i mean sometimes it's hard to gauge as a nurse with experience how much does this person want to learn are they just kind of here to get by or you know, what are some things that you have done to stick out and to make yourself approachable as someone who really does want to learn really fast? Yeah, I, I, I ask a lot of questions and sometimes it comes off. I don't know. I, I have received feedback that, uh, I asked too many questions or it sounds <laughs> like physicians have said there is one physician in particular I haven't gotten along with. Physicians have said that it makes it sound like I'm questioning their decisions or authority. So I've learned how to approach my questions. Um, so I think just out of curiosity, just say, hey, I'm curious, why are we giving steroids to this patient? I, I don't understand the process or I don't understand how that's going to help. Can you help me um, understand? And I think just I, I still ask when I when I have something, I still ask my coworkers, hey, what, what, what are we doing? Why is this? Why did the doctor put this order in? I also started at a teaching hospital. So they taught they had a lot of med students and residents there. Um, I love that because the residents just learned. And so they're so excited to teach. Mm. Um, That is where, that is the hospital system that I learned the absolute most. First of all, I was a new nurse, so I was already learning a ton. But second of all, those attendings, they are already so used to teaching the residents and the residents just got out of school. And so they see something that they learned in school and they're like, wow, look at this. Let me show you this. So I love working at a teaching hospital. That's one advice I'd give if, if you want to be a sponge because um, they love to teach there and they're very open to teaching. I, I worked at a non-teaching hospital at one point and I did not like it because the doctors were not used to questioning. They didn't involve the nurses in on their care plan. It could just have been hospital dependent, but I that is the experience that I had. Um, let's see. Yeah, I just... I, I always ask questions and I always like to learn. So I was, and I was one of those, I was, I was the uh, front row of the class nursing student because I wanted to ask as many questions as I could so that I could fully understand everything. Helps you learn. Yeah. Well, that's really good advice. Is there anything, uh, Anne, that you want to add things, maybe a question that you're just dying that I'd ask that, uh, that I didn't get to? Nope. Uh, nope. I, I love to share my, uh, experience and I love BYU nursing. I think they set you up for strong success. In the last month, I actually group texted a lot of my friends from BYU nursing. And I said, has the NCLEX gotten harder? Because I know several nurses who have had to take it so, 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 so many times. Um, and I, they, all of them responded. I think BYU was just a powerhouse in preparing us. So, um, I think I, that's why I love BYU nursing. I felt extremely prepared coming out of nursing school compared to some of my peers. And um, that's, that's, that's my uh, plug for BYU nursing. I loved it. I think they, I think they prepare you exceptionally well for your future. One, your licensing test, which is a, which is a short moment in your career, but also your whole future career. Wow. 
Best of luck to you, Anne, as you're trying to decide what to, where to take the rest of your career. Um, it sounds like you have a great background. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, I think this has been really productive for our nursing students or maybe even other recent graduates who are thinking about wanting to make a shift in their career. And just you've given them some really good things to think about. So really, thank you. No problem. Brian, I really love that interview with Anne. I think that's a really important principle that um, no matter what the circumstance, even when someone's asking you for help, um, you should never assume that you're the smartest person in the room or that you you have all the information. Absolutely. I think I did a good job of kind of showing the fine line between at least being authoritative and getting things done that need to be done, especially when a patient's life is at risk, but then also respecting and treating with respect the lives of the nurses that are also in the room and the other healthcare providers. I also really enjoyed her comments about maybe looking for opportunities to develop this type of program within a different hospital system. I think nurses that are drawn to emergency, rapid, fast-paced care really can make a difference in hospital settings that don't have a rapid response program. And giving nurses the opportunity to intervene when time is super critical and get patients over to the ER in a time-efficient manner is something that can be really for, really important or dozens of hospital systems. Yeah, and because it's not super common yet, um, nurses breaking into that field kind of get to set the precedent for what that position looks like. Um, so I think that's really cool. I also really liked that I was able to sit down with Megan and talk about her role as an OR nurse. Um, I think my favorite part of that interview was hearing that she got to be in charge of the music sometimes. That was awesome. Yeah, talk about the anxiety that comes with being in charge of the ox, right? Right. <laughs> no, but on a more serious note, too, I thought it was cool how she mentioned her work environment's a little bit more intimate than what we typically imagine the the work environment of a, of a nurse being. It's a much smaller clinic. She gets holidays off. She doesn't work on the weekends. And she gets to know her coworkers really well that uh, some of those benefits aren't can't really be fully realized in a large hospital setting. Yeah, it's awesome that she'll never have to work Christmas. <laughs> Aren't we all jealous? Well, thank you all so much for listening to another episode of The College Handoff. Don't forget to subscribe and continue listening. We'll be out next week. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. We'll see you then. <laughs>